welcome to Critical Hit, a major spoilers podcast. Thank you for downloading and checking us out this week. This week, we're going to do something a little different. Not quite a mailbag, um, not quite a general discussion, but kind of a combo of each. Uh, I think it's a time, there's something we haven't done in a long time, right? We haven't just done a show where we just talk about other stuff that is in the sphere of uh, Dungeons and Dragons or the RPG games that we're currently playing here on uh, the podcast. So we're just going to kick back and we're going to let our hair down. We're going to talk. We're going to relax. I've got a little drink here. It is not what you think it is, but it is pretty tasty. Um, and so let us just talk about stuff. <laughs> there was an interesting article that appeared a while ago that I wanted to get your guys' reactions to. I don't know if you've had a chance uh, to read through it, but it's called Powered by the Apocalypse versus Dungeons and Dragons, How the Man Mechanics Compare. And let me let me ask you guys this. Mm. Is it a good idea to compare systems that are radically different from one another? I know that people always are like PS4 versus the Xbox, Macs versus PCs, you know, apples versus oranges. Right. You'll, you'll notice they very rarely go Xbox versus the Switch, right? Because right. they are like actually very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that what this is, is when someone says, let's compare Powered by the Apocalypse with Dungeons I, and Dragons, and which one is the more crunchy system? I, I feel like this article uh, was mostly sort of addressing... Uh, so online, there's always a lot of talk about games and especially about Dungeons and Dragons and I think Powered by the Apocalypse Powered by the Apocalypse is sort of what uh, World of Darkness was in the 90s and early 2000s. Mm -hmm. Powered by the Apocalypse is what the cool kids are playing while everybody else is playing Dungeons and Dragons mm. and I, I don't that's not actually a value judgment I mean what the kids who think they're cool are playing yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm playing Fate Accelerated yeah exactly um <laughs> That's that's basically where where the band kids. Um, yeah. Well, what are the theater kids playing? Or the, yeah, the, uh, the theater kids are. Oh, uh, Vampire of the Masquerade. Playing spin probably the still playing Vampire of the Masquerade. Yeah, that's okay. fair. All right. Um, so, I think this is a. It, it's really kind of a like, hey, if you want to get into the system, here's what you can expect. Through comparing them, that's what I thought. They can too. be like, you know, how there are orcs in D and D. You can have orcs here too. You know how there's like a big old combat with like you hitting a guy, then somebody else hits a guy, then somebody else hits a guy. That's not that's not so much a thing in Powered by the Apocalypse. Yeah, and that's kind of what I took away from it too. Is not so much of um, let's do a compare and contrast between the two systems, but more of a hey, you guys, who uh, everyone in the world is currently hooked on their Dungeons and Dragons right now. Um, here are some alternatives that you may not have thought about because you're you're so yeah. into Dungeons and Dragons right now, which is not a, you know not a dig on Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so when I read this, I was like, well, it really does feel like instead of saying, well, which one is the better system or which one is the crunchier system, it says, hey, here's an alternative you've probably not heard of yet, or maybe you have heard of, but you really haven't given some consideration. Yeah, I so, mean, but when I saw the headline, I started thinking about things that are that are like gaming and the best one I could start coming, come up with was sports. And so, so there are people who, you know, they have 
they like it's like oh i live in chicago so when the bears are playing i watch the bears and when the you know baseball team i, I probably have a preference between the baseball teams and then they're like i maybe i even watch like you know the soccer teams but like there are other people who are like no i'm really just into football mm-hmm. and people aren't like well why aren't you into baseball it's just like i don't know i like the way football is different than baseball and i think because gaming is still so mu- much more obscure and it, it's, it's something that has been um Video gaming has finally kind of moved away from this too, because especially for video gaming, and I think this still exists to some degree in tabletop gaming. Is like, well, you're only a real gamer if you like this one type of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, whereas, right. like, if you are playing, you know, hidden object games on your phone primarily, you're not a gamer. If you're playing like a shooter on your Xbox, you're a gamer, and obviously that's nonsense. Um, um, but I think that there's like the same divides in kind of tabletop stuff between like you know real gamers play D and D and like hippie gamers play like co-op narrative games. Um, huh. But what it comes up to is like just people get different things out of gaming, just like they get different things out of watching sports or watching TV or watching movies. Like no one says like, oh, I like watching um movies and everyone expects that they watched as many documentaries as they watched like action movies and so um you know there are people that are like oh no no matter what like gaming i'm in um but like most people have very strong preferences and so i think what at, at core that um you're right that this is trying to be like if you've heard of D, but it's not for you but like want to try a different system um pirate Bay apocalypse is technically gaming but very very different uh but i think it is kind of a weird dichotomy to be making yeah no and, I, and you know that's i think one of the reasons when we've done uh some segments that we've done here on critical hit and also over on uh the gm roundtable we'll play that game with brian where it's like we'll pick a concept right. a high concept and then he's got to find or suggest a system that he thinks would work with that that genre, that it. concept idea, whatever it may be, uh, just so that people who are listening, who may be always sitting there going, well, I wonder if we could do a Mystery Inc. Uh, game inside of Dungeons & Dragons. And of course, the answer right. is yes, but have you heard about this system or this system or this system? Because they might already be a little bit more malleable for what you want to do. The weird thing about this piece to me is, well, again, if I'm actually reading the piece and reading the headline, it seems like those were written by different people. And that may be true at bigger organizations. Oh, and again, I'm not trying certainly. to poo-poo this article. I just thought it was a very oh, no. interesting place to jump off on. What what it seems to be trying to doing, trying to do rather, and what it ends up doing, at least from my perspective, are different because it seems to be doing that thing where it's trying to say, Hey, maybe, you know, expand your horizons. It's like the thing where I'm like, Hey, here's a bunch of weird superheroes. And everybody's like, yeah, I sure do love Wolverine. And I'm like, great. Did you know about this guy, Timberwolf, who's a little like Wolverine, but different, but what it really comes out when I sit and read it is it feels like another does pineapple belong on pizza discussion. Mm. I'm, I'm I'm curious, Rob, because you go out uh, a lot more than the rest of us. Uh, you go to, you know, you you have a gaming store and you have a regular mm-hmm. group of friends that you play with outside of us, which, you know, we're all sad because you have other friends. But I have a, it, I have a regular gaming what? group. Oh, yeah, so do I. Next, like, oh, man. Next thing you're going to tell me, <laughs> next thing you know, Matthew's going to tell me he has another group of players. Oh, man. 
Anyway, I mean, Matthew lives with enough people to (laughs) have. I think his daughter, I think his daughter does a bunch of GM stuff or a bunch of gaming stuff. But Rob, I was curious because you do go out to the gaming store and you are involved with a bunch of different people playing a bunch of different games and and people coming in and out of the game store. Is this something that comes up a lot in, in your circle? Uh, I have really, I have one friend who actually explores outside of D and D on a regular basis. Uh, and I feel like given enough years, he will basically become a second Brian for me. Mm, okay. Uh, but it's not really all that common for people to be uh, – I don't see a lot of people actively searching for games outside of D&D here. Uh, okay. I don't know if that's just I'm not hanging out with the uh, – role-playing group as much because I play I hang out with more of the board game magic crowd mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, or if it's just D&D has enough of a hold that enough of a hold enough interest that no one here is really looking for anything outside of it well uh, and and you know to be honest I mean Wizards of the Coast with fifth edition really captured a lot of gamers' attentions and people, I mean, we did a GM roundtable not too long ago about, you know, what else is there besides Dungeons and Dragons, but I mean, I can't fault people who may only know that there is Dungeons and Dragons out there and may not be aware that if someone says, you know, the Star Wars game that, you know, there's a couple of iterations of the Star Wars game that people can go and play. There's, you know, Call of Cthulhu and and Fate Accelerated and all these other things that they may just simply not know about. I mean, I didn't know uh, about a lot of these other games until Brian and I started talking uh, when I was driving him home at night, uh, where he's like, oh, yeah, have you heard about this game? And you should check this out. And he'd bring something over and say, hey, you know, borrow this book. And then I'd be reading into it. And it's like, oh, wow, this is fascinating. This sounds interesting. So I- I'm hoping that the point of this article wasn't to say, well, this one is better than this one because this one does this or this one does this. And more along the lines of, did you guys know that there's something else besides Dungeons and Dragons out there? Yeah, very, very stealthily. This the point of this article, I feel, is to be like, "Hey, have you guys heard about Powered by the Apocalypse?" Or people keep asking me about Powered by the Apocalypse, and the second question they always ask is, "How does it compare to Dungeons and Dragons?" The the correct answer to that is, "It doesn't. It's a different game." But I'm going to go <laughs> through and tell you how that happens, so you can stop asking me. Yeah, and I also <laughs> wonder if it wasn't a good idea to um, target the article in this way because there are people who are only going to pay attention if they see something that has dungeons and dragons in it and if you just said powered by the apocalypse they would just be going oh that's some new comic book uh crossover event that's coming i don't care about that yeah as a a journalist i would bet like that that rodrigo's right it's like hey can i write an article about powered by the apocalypse i'm really into it right now uh is that like D? No, not really. It's like, all right, well, D&D is doing really good search traffic. So can you get that mm-hmm. in the headline somehow? Mm-hmm. And like maybe in the body a few times too, like Baldur's Gate. Can we talk about Baldur's Gate right now? <laughs> so. Uh, speaking of other games we were talking just before we were recording, Sam, you you have a new game, or I don't know if it's a new game system, but one that you've been playing around with. That sounds yeah, interesting. So, yeah, it's not super new. So the um, the base game system isn't super new, though. Um, what is new is this new version of it called. Um, so the base game system is Kids on Bikes, which is a um, uh, fairly collaborative, but still has you know dice and a GM, which is basically my speed for um, anything that's lighter. Um, that that it still has like some form of uh, mechanics. Um, 
but uh, kind of a role-playing game version of your classic, like Stranger Things, E.T., you know, plucky kids on bikes encounter the supernatural. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you can do kind of what you want with it, but like the rules are that you're mostly like kids and teens and uh, cell phones don't exist. Um, And one of my favorite things about it is that you have like a, a party and like each is, you know, like kind of like a kid archetype and then you also have a um some form of weird creature that is part of your party so think like et or 11 or um uh but uh you control that creature as a group so like different for a person Mm -hmm. um so like each player can be like oh well you know i am controlling like you know them because they're interacting with the outside world and I've come up with like how they interact with like people who are not in this group or like I can control them in combat because I know like their special telekinetic abilities um and you know everyone comes up with kind of like the world and rumors and secrets about it and answers a bunch of questions about their characters and um you know their quirks and things like that and then the GM decides what is true and what is happening and kind of leads people through a weird little adventure. And then kids on brooms is, um, similar mechanics and except for that, um, you're at a school of, you know, witchcraft and wizardry. Yeah. Yeah. Funny, funny side story. Um, my youngest who is now nine, uh, has just gotten into Harry Potter, started watching the movies and he started to read the books and, you know, um, I'm not going to get into the whole, uh, thing with the with the author at the moment with him, although it'll probably come up at some point. But he's super super into the, into watching the movies, and then he watches another show called The Owl House. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's an animated show about a girl who gets transported into a magical realm, and um, she is sticking around with this outlaw witch person and uh, trying to learn magic. And she has to learn proper pronunciations and proper, you know, drawing the spell uh, correctly, all this stuff. And he's watched it a couple of times. And then after he watched uh, Harry Potter, he kind of was like, oh, Owl House just kind of borrows heavily from, you know, from uh, Harry Potter. And I was like, oh, boy, uh, wait till I tell you where Harry Potter got all its ideas from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so anytime someone now says, Oh, this is like Harry Potter kind of stuff. I kind of giggle because it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's something that everyone at this point kind of understands as that that keyword. Just like when people say, "Hey, let's play a, a role playing game," everyone is just like, "Oh, you're talking about D and D," and it's like, no, nope, not really, but okay. What D and D is this? This D and D is called Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the whole there, there's actually I, I forgot there's still another system up that's part of the or setting kind of book that's part of the same system called Teens in Space, mm. which is like your like you know space cases like I don't know young Starfleet <laughs> doing weird space adventures. Yeah. And so they're and they all use the same basic system. So we can talk about what setting interests people the most mm-hmm. but um they're all extremely tropey and goofy and um sound like pretty fun yeah yeah <laughs> milky way mathletes sounds like fun let's make that milky way mathletes is that the name yeah. of the system or is that what you just we we solve crimes in space using long division oh well i mean math star mathlete is one of the like included in the book archetypes for kids on bikes so if that's what you want to do man <laughs> i'm just saying I don't do the Mad Scientist Club, but that's because I'm older than all of you people, except Steven. Is that an RPG system? No. Oh, okay. You're just that's saying a, that's a series your... of adventure novels that I read when I was six. Oh, okay. Oh, I and thought now... it was like the club at school where they let you like blow up rockets, which was awesome. I, I, I used to read uh, <laughs> um, Encyclopedia Brown, which a lot of people just don't know who Encyclopedia Brown is anymore. 
No, I know who it is, well, but I never read any of the books. I mean, it's worth seven anymore, Stephen. Well, that's true too. But you know, uh, again, as someone who has kids that are going through the school system and Scholastic inundates them, and they have access to libraries and all this stuff, I occasionally ask. So, what kind of books are you reading? You reading Charlotte's Web? Yes. Are you reading uh, the sure, the sure. Trumpet of the Swan? Yes, yes. Of course, we're reading that. Uh, and, Red Rose. What's that? I don't, know, I don't know if he has read that one yet, although I did suggest Old Yeller and My Side of the Mountain uh, as two other books that he might want to read. And then I suggested, <laughs> what about Encyclopedia Brown? And he's like, I have no idea who that is. And I'm just like, okay, that's fine. I mean, Rob, do you know who Encyclopedia Brown is? I have heard the name, but I have never gone out of my way to find out what okay. Encyclopedia, so Encyclopedia Brown Encyclopedia Brown is that, uh, you know, your typical douchey know-it-all kid. Uh, who uh, his dad is the sheriff of, of the town or he's a police officer in town. And um, all these things happen uh, around Encyclopedia Brown. The, the one story, the first story that I ever remember reading of Encyclopedia Brown is there's an egg spinning contest down at the local uh, chocolate shop, right? And so that kind of tells you how old Encyclopedia Brown is. Uh, but all the kids are there and they're spinning their eggs and the, the local bully comes in and he spins his egg and it spins the fastest and the longest. And then the egg rolls off the counter and everyone's just amazed that the bully has beat Encyclopedia or whoever else is there. And then uh, Encyclopedia uh, is getting ready to leave and he notices that the store owner is walking into the back with a dust pin, uh, you know, a, a broom and a dust bin. Right. And then Encyclopedia figures it out. And then you, the reader, have you figured it out yet? If so, turn to page 28 for the solution to this mystery. And then you flip it over and you find out that, oh, the bully was using a hard-boiled egg and not a raw egg. And Encyclopedia Brown figured this out because if it had been a raw egg, the shop owner would have used a mop and a bucket to clean up the mess and not a broom and a dustpan. And so there's those kind of stories in Encyclopedia Brown. And I kind of like that format of we set it up and have you figured it out? Turn to page 28 to read the solution. Is Encyclopedia actually his name or is he just called Encyclopedia a name? His name, his name is Leroy. They call him Encyclopedia because he, his mind is, is full of facts. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I just wanted to make sure. He's, yep. he's not douchey, by the way. He Steven kinda, says he's douchey. He's, he kinda in, he's is. incredibly pleasant and nice and he's the smart kid. It, I mean, it's been a he's bunch of years douchey. since I've read Encyclopedia Brown, but my recollection is because he is such a know-it-all that there's got to be a bunch of people in town, especially the adults that are like, who's this douchey kid that just is if you, this know-it-all? If you actually read really closely, his friend Sally is just as smart as he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. But lets, lets him get away with being the genius yep. because his entire personality is built around it. Mm -hmm. also, it's really funny when you know Sally so goes smart. through and supports him. I think, him. was there a series of <laughs> Sally books? No. Uh, but there was actually a television series in the 80s that adapted it, and Sally was more of a focus in that than she was in the ah, books. Okay, okay. Because I remember, for some reason, I remember Sally, and he also had kind of a, a, a Ron Weasley uh, friend as well, who was the one that was always getting into trouble that, that he had to save. Um, but I, I, that's all I remember is, you know, I had the books probably when I was seven, eight, nine years old, I think, maybe by nine. That's by the end of third grade, I think Wasn't I was done with Encyclopedia in Brown. In the 60s, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. When, we were, when we were kids, they'd have been about eight years old, nine years old. Yeah, there was another story where his uh, 
He had to go uh, ride with his dad out to investigate a guy who potentially may have committed the crime. And they pull up to the guy's house and uh, the car is there and the guy is there and the, uh, the guy's little kid is playing barefoot on the roof of the, the hood of the car. And they're having the question and the guy's like, no, 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 I have been uh, out of town all day. In fact, I just got back a few minutes ago. You're lucky you caught me. Uh, there's no way I could have committed this crime. They get back in the car and Encyclopedia Brown is like, dad, you need to arrest that guy. And He's lying. And he's lying. And his dad's like, are you sure? I am the sheriff of this town. You know that, right? And I have a pretty good investigative skills as well. And it's like, did you figure out how uh, Encyclopedia Brown knows the man is lying? Turn to page 28. And you go and turn to page 28 and Encyclopedia is <laughs> like, oh, yeah, if the guy had just gotten back. Uh, from a long road trip, that engine would be incredibly hot and thus the hood of the car would be incredibly hot. And there was a two-year-old walking barefoot on the hood of the car and he wasn't screaming or crying at all. Therefore, he's lying. And so his dad goes and arrests the guy. And of course, all that holds up in court and the bad this guy goes is, this to This is like very Veronica Mars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is, but yeah. like 40 years before. Funny. Yeah, Veronica Mars is definitely the same sort of, you know, pattern and i think that, that at least the tv version of the hardy boys in the 80s was the same thing so you know it's that common sort of hey genius kid but dad's the chief of police mm -hmm, mm -hmm. did you guys do you guys like mystery uh, rpg type games it really depends on who's doing the mystery mm. um as as with anything you know not so long ago on an episode of the major spoilers podcast we had a trivia game and it was a really tough trivia game and I feel like, you know, it, it was it was tough for me, but it was apparently tougher for other people. So sometimes if you have a mystery, but you're the guy sitting there going, I have totally figured this out in the first three minutes, and now I have to, you know, wait patiently or spoil the game for everybody else, it can be really difficult. So, you know, sometimes you have the guy who tries to be too obscure, not mentioning any names, called Tom, um, whose mysteries can't be figured out just can't be and you have to wait for him to Nero wolf it for you at the end so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know it's it's a thing what about you there rob are, i mean oh go ahead Rodrigo. uh there are systems that incorporate uh mysteries into the mechanics where basically you know there's been a murder and actually you through your investigation determine who the murderer was not saying that you discover it but rather through the act of role-playing through the investigation uh, essentially backload who the murderer had been. Yeah. Um, oh, funny. Atomic like you Robo, kind of make it up as you go along? Yeah, the Atomic Robo uh, RPG kind of works like that, where uh, you're action scientists that show up to a situation, and uh, depending on your roles as you investigate it, you can determine that actually... Uh, these plants are vampire plants from outer space or that actually the plants are the victims here and are trying to communicate something to you. Is that kind of like you're an action botanist? Is that kind of like the way we ran the inspectors game, uh, the inspectors Boise game where it's like Brian kind of had the hook, but we filled in all the clues to point to this person or this incident. Yeah, I think the, the, system is a little bit more geared towards those answers. I feel that inspectors, is more geared towards that like TV show experience. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. part of that is solving the mystery, but it's much more interested in like uh, like confessionals and yeah, yeah. plot twists. Yeah. Whereas the Atomic Robo game, at least the version that I played, because I think there might be 
that was kind of a, a, a beta version. Yeah, that was based um, on the Fate Accelerated, if I'm not yep, mistaken. Yep. Yeah, it it was it was much more uh, interested in, uh, or, or rather, the the big movements forward in the story came from roles as you determine more and more things about what was going mm-hmm. on. I've got the final version of that sitting over there. We could play that sometime. Yeah. Um, um, have you played Rodrigo? Have you played a mystery RPG recently? Um, and by uh, recently, I mean last 48 months. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't really get to play very often. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, we'll, we'll change that. We'll, we'll fix it's okay. that. Early, early on in my role-playing career, I actually, um, had a few game masters who's, who basically their whole thing was mysteries. And some of them were really good at it. Um, I remember playing in some games that did feel like an Ag- Agatha Christie thing, and they mm. had good uh, sort of knowledge and control of the system so that even in a game like Mage, where you're expected to be able to like pierce the veil of reality with your third eye or whatever, even then that would just convey information that they were already willing to give you and still managed to make an interesting mystery. And I definitely had game masters who, like, there was just no possible way that anybody could ever solve this because they don't give you enough information and they, like, uh, actively kind of set the players against each other so they won't share information. So you get to the Mm -hmm. end and it's like, it was Jake! And everybody's like, why? Yeah. So you know, you get you get some you get what some of each. Yeah. Sam, have you done a mystery RPG recently? Um. I so I did this one thing which was um it was super cool. Um. Tasha actually like put this together. Um. I guess this was this was last year though because it was like pre COVID because it was like oh, right. a bunch of people at my house. Um. Which is very much like a parlor kind of LARP. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, I've done those before. Um, Basically, you know, you have um, one or two people who are the investigators in mm-hmm. the um, and the, the hook is that this person has been um, it's like the daughter of this like rich family and they've just had to come back or son, I guess, doesn't depending on it was daughter for me because I'm whatever. Um, and they come back because their the family patriarch has died, and they have to like interrogate all the different people who are playing the different characters to try to figure out like get to the bottom of the mystery. Yeah. Um. And which was super fun. Um. But I can feel like that is you have to be like the right mindset to, for that to because uh-huh. it kind of puts you on the spot to be asking all those questions. But you know, it was pretty fun if you actually really want to be like Benoit Blanc or Sherlock Holmes or whatever. Yeah. Is that one of those um, how to host a murder party yeah, things it's, it's basically very similar okay. to that um although i feel like um i don't know i honestly i've never done a uh, how to host a murder party um so i've been to like the like a uh, one of those at like a dinner cabaret theater which i thought mm-hmm. was a blast mm-hmm. um where like the audience kind of then votes on who is guilty oh, but I see. like yeah. when when this one is like it's all being like some kind of combination of improv but like also scripted what each person has to hide mm-hmm. um was was really fun Okay, cool. Um, Rob, you and I played uh, Call of Cthulhu not too long ago. Oh, it's we actually did. been like four years ago or something <laughs> like that. Um, and we were just bad at solving the mystery. And I was, I've been doing a lot of reading on how to do mysteries. And, and the, the thing that I've come up with, and several uh, different uh, game masters have pointed this out, is don't make your party... Um, 
search for clues, especially if they don't know that they're supposed to be searching for clues, you give them the clue and let them figure out what that means. And I don't mean like you discover a clue. It is, oh, you pick up a book, you open it up and you discover all this stuff that's on the inside or you make the, you know, you make a role, but you make it a, a role that is not dependent on them discovering the clue or not discovering the clue. I, I think Brad actually did that pretty well when he was doing that. We just, I'm going to go with, we role played too well. Maybe that's it because we were just too good for Brad. That's, that's what we'll say. Like, None of our characters were even like thought of to be looking for a mystery of sorts. It was just, hey, I need to find my uncle. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 But I know as, there was as, there was definitely a specific moment where we were supposed to be in the house, and there was a book we were supposed to be searching for, and that was the major clue that was going to help us unlock everything. And then we just didn't even do that. And Brad was like, "You guys didn't do that." And I was like, "Well." And then as I've been going and doing this research, it's basically like. You go through the room, you bump into a table, a book falls up and opens up to a page, and then you pick it up and you're like, oh, this is a book that describes all the things that we needed. We didn't even know we were supposed yeah. to be looking for it, but you know, by happenstance, this happened. I mean, being in the right ma- mindset, like Sam said, is important. And, mm-hmm. and a big part of that is the game master discussing their expectations yeah. of you. Yeah. Um, if you are coming to that game only having played you know, Dungeons and Dragons and expecting, you know, fights and some light skills uh, moments than a game in which you actually have to use your noggin to solve a problem is going to like you're either not going to do it or by the time you figure out that that's what's supposed to be happening. It might be really late in the narrative or really late just in that session, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, Player expectations are very important. They're, I would say they're one of the single most important things, which is why anytime I run a game, I set everyone down and I'm like, here's the sort of characters I expect you to make. Here's sort of why I expect the game is going to be like. Um, and yep. uh, that's, you know, basically this is what you're going to be playing if you play in this game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Back in, in Dead City Productions, the like vampire game that Rodrigo and I were you know met through, um, the first game of the year that anyone ran uh, was the newbie game was a murder mystery. Um, mm-hmm. And the players had to solve it uh, by, you know, interacting with a bunch of uh other people, other people who were part of the game would play NPCs just for the night that were all part of this murder mystery and they had to run around and talk to them. Um, and that also, that actually set the expectation of the game, which is this is a game where people are going to lie to you constantly and mm-hmm. you have to like figure out how to like, you know, see through their lies because that's not a thing that a lot of people are used to if say they came from D&D or a fully collaborative role playing game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody's, every time we sit down to record a show, everyone's asking, where's Brian? Where's Brian? Has anyone seen Brian? Brian's here. Don't worry. He's just been very, very quiet this entire time. Haven't you, Brian? Sure. Or have you been cursing loudly in the background? <laughs> I mean, not untrue. Not untrue. <laughs> Brian had to go home. His planet needed him. Yeah, uh, it says. Not very choice words for my equipment. Yeah. Uh, so we were, we'd just been talking about a bunch of different uh, game systems and everything. Is there a game system that you're like really into right now, Brian? Hmm. There's uh, been a few I've been looking at. I mean, I've been looking over some uh, Powered by the Apocalypse stuff just uh, for something more lighter, more narrative-focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the crunchier end, uh, Valor, the heroic roleplay system, has been kind of of interest to me. 
It's a very uh, tactical grid-based game, but it's uh, kind of a effect-based. Uh, basically, you build your uh, fourth edition style powers and everything. Do you guys? So, just in general, do you guys like tactics um, games, like video games? Yes. Uh, yeah, I do. Sure. Do you? Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure Sorry, what you mean I, you by tactics. You cut out there for a second for me. What did you ask? Uh, do you like playing tactics-based um, uh, video games? Like, oh yeah. You know, you got to move this grid, and then you got to fire and and do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I just picked up I Can Fail this last weekend, which is a tactical-focused uh, combat-style RPG. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I've been That's playing Wasteland Three. Yeah, I've been playing Into the Breach. So yes, this is Ooh, this yes. crew likes your their <laughs> tactical RPGs. Um. And I'm going to look up into the breach really quick. What is it? What is it? Uh, uh, oh, this the is breach. the. Oh, this is. I was going to ask you about this the last time we were recording because I know you've talked about it before because it's all about mechs. And I wanted mm-hmm. to. Um, I, I wanted to get this game, but I couldn't remember what the name of it was. Yeah, it's it's not a game that clearly says uh, giant robots fighting giant bugs, and also you travel through time. But mm-hmm. yeah, into the breach. It's by the same people who did FTL, which I. I haven't played FTL, but I guess it's like a, a huge selling point because everybody loves FTL. Mm. I enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I was, uh, there is a game on Steam, I believe. It is the Sentinels um, tactics game on Steam. What is it? What is it? Freedom? Sentinels of Freedom? Sentinels of Freedom, uh, the tactics game. And I have been debating whether to get that because sometimes I like tactics games, but someone had recommended a tactics game to me not too long ago. It was like, oh, I love this game. You'll love it too. And it was very expensive and I bought it. And then about an hour into it, I'm like, oh, I hate this. And I don't know Mm -hmm. what it was about it that I hated. Maybe it was that they didn't explain everything that you could do, what your powers were or anything like that. I thought it had a very poor tutorial system. Uh, to let that can think. happen. Yeah. yeah, and so I was just like, oh, really turned off on this. But then, oh, several years ago, there was a Call of the Cthulhu Tactics game uh, that came out that I really kind of enjoyed uh, in the way that that was set up. So I don't know. Um, have you got? Have you played Sentinels of Freedom, Brian? A little bit. I got it on my Switch. Um, I wasn't quite a big a fan of that one. It's okay. I'm largely just kind of playing it for the Sentinels comics lore of it. Okay. Well, it's it's fairly cheap. It's only twenty five bucks, so maybe I'll yeah. maybe I'll check it out. Uh, kind of why I got it. Into the breach, though, is that that's roguelike, right? It is a roguelike. Yeah. yeah. Uh, basically, the idea is that um, start even as you start out the game, your very first pilot has already witnessed the bug apocalypse and is traveling back through time to warn everyone and to fight against the bugs with the knowledge that he already has. So when you lose. You get to pick one of your pilots, and they travel back in time to the beginning of the game. Um, so it basically gives you that boost of having a already leveled up character come back to the beginning of the game and then start the game from there. Also, um, you unlock more mechs, and the only way to really play them is to start over. So yeah. I suppose you could beat the game and start over, which is something that you can do. Have you beat it um, yet? I have beat it, yeah. Um, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't have like a huge ending. It just kind of has a a screen that tells you what happens, which is honestly great because the fun of that game kind of weirdly is dying or beating it and then going back and trying something else. Mm -hmm. 
uh, live, die, repeat. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, anytime someone says there's an in title card that tells you what happens, I always think back, Matthew, to, uh, the Stephen King, uh, um, movie on, uh, all the, all the machines come to life. Oh God. What, what's that? Yeah. Maximum, Maximum, Maximum overdrive, overdrive, right? Where it's like all this stuff happens and then the title card comes up and goes, and then three days later, a UFO was shot down over the planet. And it's like, wait, this whole thing has been aliens this entire time and you're using an in title screen to tell us that i always think of the monster at gogo where you get to the end and they're like there was never a monster <laughs> you know you, you kind of get to that point where you can't you just you, you can't just yeah don't 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 be that guy so what's that guy sam is playing is it, say that system again uh wasteland three wasteland three um uh Rodrigo, you've been playing Lancers, or have you not played Lancers yet? You've just been reading all the manuals. Uh, I've just been reading it. I really haven't had a chance to play it. I found some people that do pickup games, but most of their pickup games are while I'm working. Oh, okay. Um, so I, yeah, I still haven't gotten a chance to play it. I'm just reading, reading the manuals a lot and talking to people online about it. And uh, you know, they have a really good character builder. Um, so, you know, just building stuff on that. Mm -hmm. What about you, Brian? What's, what's the game system you're playing right now or you're into right now? Did you say, uh, what I've been playing recently outside of critical hit has only really been a little bit of D and D with the in-laws. Oh, okay. Uh, I've been kind of looking into, you know, some powered by the apocalypse options and, uh, uh, valor heroic roleplay system is like the full title. Yeah. And so what, what is that about? Uh, well, it's kind of an anime-themed uh, tactical RPG. Uh, there's not really a built-in uh, setting to it, uh, so it's supposed to be you know fairly open-ended in that regards. But yeah, it's a very uh, kind of like a point-by system. Uh, but uh, the powers that you can buy are uh, the, uh, have variable cost depending on what attributes you're using to buy them. So there are kind of classes built into it in a way. Mm, okay. I'm just kind of scrolling down. Valor, uh, Valoris Games. Yeah, Valoris Games, yeah. Is the uh, website to go to go look. So I'm just kind of scrolling through this kind of quickly. That's the name of Kim Cattrall's character in Star Trek VI. <laughs> Matthew, what game systems are you playing besides... Uh, what we're currently uh, playing. Our ongoing Fate Accelerated game is on hold due to no one is allowed in my house. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and what's your Bridget fate? What's your Fate Accelerated game? What's your Fate Accelerated game? Oh, the the Boazes and their son, and then everybody in my house. We had been playing a game. Tom's been running it. Uh, it's basically a uh, midwestern mystery story with. So far, no really psychotic elements. Everybody's basically a normal person. Mm -hmm. So we have like a secretary and a, a high school teacher and all of the people are getting involved in this weird mystery because they're all part of the same family. Cool. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Widget is in the midst of a 5e game and I keep trying to get her. She and I have nebulous plans to try and put together a 5e game for the family um, Monday night is game night, and lately we've actually been watching Netflix because we got hooked on Avatar and Legend of Korra. But at some point, we're planning to put together a 5e game to try and get everybody on the same board about, okay, seriously, this is Dungeons & Dragons. We're going to play it, 
everybody's going to have played it, then we can all say we hate it and move on <laughs> yeah. or whatever we need to do. Because we have one person who's never played and, you know, uh, me and I do my thing, whatever it is that I do. Uh, Widget has only played fifth edition and then uh, Stacy has only or hasn't played any Dungeons and Dragons since AD&D, but has been playing. Um, oh, God, what is that mess? With the thing, Rodrigo references it all the time. Lancers? No, Cyberpunk, Salted? Darkness, uh, Shadow, Street, Shadow, Shadow, Run. Shadow Run. Yeah, she's playing a Shadow Run game. Okay. And I'm not sure if it's a new version or if it's you know just an ancient version that's been cobbled together. But she had been playing that game for a while until again. Shadow Run's no been one's out for allowed a while. in the house. Shadow Run's been yeah. out. Shadow Run's been out for years. We yeah. played that in college. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a new edition yeah, every what's few the, years. What's the new edition? What's the current edition? Six, I want to say. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I, I think they're playing a previous edition. And if I understand correctly, they didn't update to the previous edition before six came out. I don't know. It's a, you know, Hey, I don't really have a problem with people wanting to play an older version of the system. You know, for us on this game, of course, we started with fourth edition and just because I was, new to RPGs and everything, you know, I started buying, um, you know, the different books and manuals as they came out. And I think I have close to all of the main fourth edition books and it was expensive, you know, like if you're talking like 50 bucks a book, that's a, that's a lot of money that you drop down for. And I've got a whole shelf here filled up with them and another shelf with filled up with fourth edition stuff. And of course now there's the fifth edition stuff. And so, uh, granted, they don't all drop, you know, 50 books on you at once and expect you to buy all of them. They expect you to buy the core books and uh, then buy what you need as you're doing it, uh, different modules, and et cetera. But still, even at between 30 and 50 bucks a book over the course, maybe four or five a year, uh, that can still add up. So I can totally understand someone wanting to play an older edition because that's what they have. Right. Um, I, I don't think everyone needs to automatically jump on the newest, greatest thing if they're happy with that with that system that they uh yeah. that they have that being said I, go ahead i do have a secret to helping to save money when you're when you're playing games i don't know if it works for everybody well but what i did pay, was pay get a job in a comic store oh yeah yeah and have a discount yeah i don't so think that every, may not be an option for everybody. i don't think that's an option for everybody uh speaking of new great things i don't know if you guys have seen this uh, by the time you're listening to this dear listener this book is already available uh in physical the time form you're listening to this i'm 57 he might be you never know uh but uh but it is available right now in electronic form from evil hat uh it is fate condensed a compact standalone version of the fate core system streamlined for clarity and ease of reference and i purchased this when they first announced it back in late September, early October, and it is super short. I want to say it is uh, maybe 30 pages, maybe. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's more condensed than Fate Accelerated, which is all, already a very thin book, uh, sure. but, but uh, Fate Condensed is something that's out there. Here's what they say is new. Inside Fate Condensed, you'll find, and again, this isn't a paid sponsorship because if, you, if it was, uh, it would be at the beginning of the show and not at the end of the show, unless, of course, you're a patron, in which case you wouldn't even hear commercials, a bonus, Silver Lever membership, patreon.com slash major spoilers. <laughs> Inside Fate Condensed, you'll find one point uh, stress boxes to help reduce player confusion, uh, skills no longer determine turn order, 
improved advancements, eliminating significant milestones, and finessing major milestones to compensate. Active opposition is no longer separate from the defend action. And 14 pages of optional rules for building your own custom variant of fate easily. They give you rules for countdown, scales, extreme consequences, methods to make your own big bads, bigger and badder and more. So it's That's I, cool. I think the I, I got this. I think the suggested retail was eight dollars. I think when I saw it on Drive Through RPG, I thought it was a pay what you want system. Yep. Does that sound right, Brian? Yeah, and I actually just went to it myself. I think I already have access to it since I backed uh, Fate of Cthulhu. Oh, okay, all right. But I just went and paid zero. Just yeah, to... I mean it's, that's certainly something people can do, and this is an open license thing. So if people want to build upon this, they can contact. Um, uh, they can t- contact Evil Hat and do some yeah. interesting things with it. But uh, you know, if people, I, I don't know, I still am kind of a very big fan of fate and what you can do with it because it does feel so open. Um, and it, it's not, you know, as we started this conversation, it's not super crunchy. Yeah, no, definitely. Fate is one of my favorites. Um, partially because it's not that complicated and because it is, uh, easy to convert, to different settings, right? Uh, because it is so simple. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I feel that um, when when people say that you can play anything uh, with the Dungeons and Dragons engine, I like my eye starts twitching because that's definitely not true. That's also <laughs> not true of Fate. Uh, Fate actually puts a lot of power in the player's hands, um, and there are genres that don't want that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's probably a reason why the big uh, Fate of C- Cthulhu thing uh, plays more like Terminator than it does an mm-hmm. actual Call of Cthulhu game. Yeah, um, and it's because that's going to play better with Fate as an engine. Also, because I think Evil Had wanted to do something different with it, and you know, it's all in the public domain. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Yes and no. Yes. Depends on which elements of Cthulhu stuff they're trying to borrow and sure. which are owned by whoever else. That's that's a complicated thing. But we'll just say, sure, let's just say it's in the public domain because that's what Lovecraft was. As racist as he was, the one thing that he was totally down with was uh, uh, Creative Commons. Uh, so, yes. you know. <laughs> he f- contained multitudes. He definitely did a lot <laughs> of it racist. Um <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he wanted everyone to have equal access to racism. Yes. Oh, yes. man. I was listening to a podcast. Um, it is like, I forget what the name of it is, but what they do is they actually read a letter that Lovecraft wrote in every episode, and then they have a discussion on it. And sometimes it's to well-known uh, writers. Other times it's to, you know, just fans that he's replying to. And then they kind of dissect it and go into it and say, well, this is what was going on at this time and, and whatnot. But the one that they just did recently, and again, this was months ago, depending on when you're listening, hello, future people. Um, it was a lengthy letter to, uh, Robert E. Howard. Mm-hmm. And he's telling, he's talking about the history of, I think Rhode I've seen I- that letter. It, it's a, he's talking about the history of Rhode Island and man, he goes full on racist mode in in that letter and it's just like jaw dropping uh how awful he is in in describing uh slavery and how what happened after slavery and all this stuff it was uh 
it's very it's very eye opening. And he and he and Howard had a very lengthy um, mail exchange uh, before before Howard yeah, committed suicide. There's a lot of Lovecraft in uh, the the Conan mm-hmm. books, and, and vice versa. And that's what I was talking about with the open world stuff, where you know uh, Conan uh, borrowed from I want to say Durlith. I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, no, Chambers, uh, Robert W. Chambers. Uh, he borrowed a lot of of stuff to put into his work, and then of course he, you know, created the Necronomicon. And then Howard was like, "Oh, can I use that?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." And so you get to see Necronomicon, and you get to see a lot of that stuff pop up in the Conan books and everything. Uh, I used to belong to an email list uh, when those were still a thing, uh, where every day they would post a letter between Lovecraft and Robert E. Howard, and it was fascinating to read all that stuff, especially as Lovecraft was getting towards the end of his life um, and talking about, well, I uh, spent 10 cents today and here's what I had to eat. And Mm -hmm. basically, uh, I don't remember what he had, if it was a form of cancer or what Lovecraft had, but essentially he died from malnutrition because he was so poor and couldn't afford to, to feed himself properly for that. But, you know, also racist. Uh, Yeah. 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 Um, What else is going on? Nothing. I mean, <laughs> absolutely nothing. Absolutely. Sometimes that's a good thing, right? Well, yeah, yeah it certainly can be. I mean, my oh. toothache went away, so that's nice. Well, congratulations. I didn't have to, like, you know, go see a dentist. That was. Are you one of those people that uh, put an aspirin on it? It'll go away. No, but I'm <laughs> one of those people that doesn't go to the dentist until there's debilitating pain and then I get it <laughs> then I get a root canal I've had nine root canals oh my god it's all right you know I didn't now know I you have could have really, that many I have I mean, really, you can have really one for cool two plastic yeah are you going to just have them all ripped out and just replaced with uh... no my mother did that in her 20s and it was disturbing I think my grandparents no, just... I think my grandparents did it fairly early in their life because they would have been in their 40s, early, late 40s, early 50s when I was born, and they already had false teeth. Well, this is the thing. My mother passed away when I was 36, and one of the things that uh, was in her possessions were her teeth, and uh, (laughs) the teeth that she had when I was 36 were the ones that I tried to brush for her when I was two years old and cracked. Oh, okay. They still had a broken tooth. So, yeah, my mother was not a, a dental person. Apparently, okay. in the 60s, if you had dental problems, they would actually say, you can take out all your teeth and get uh, denture. Yeah. And yeah. she did in her early 20s. Yep. And I'm just like, yeah, both. Wow. That's what both of my grandparents had were dentures. And so had to cut yep. the corn, uh, couldn't just uh, bite an apple, any of that stuff. Sometimes if the uh, fix-a-dent wasn't uh, fresh <laughs> enough, it, the, the teeth would pop out. Yep, it happens. It was funny that my grandmother would always just pop her teeth out and, you know, do the the gummy lips thing, you know, where your lips sink in because you don't have any teeth. She, and we yeah. always thought that that was a crack up. That That's funny to you? That for, for a little kid, you know, you see somebody take their teeth out and do a weird face at you and you're just like, ah, that's funny. So yeah, I was, I mean, my grandma, scared. my grandma had false teeth and there was just kind of like two modes, right? Grandma with teeth, grandma without teeth. Yep. Grandma with wig, grandma without wig. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Steven's family stories always frightened me, and I thought I grew up in a really weird family. No, so my grandmother, I, you know, I, from my perspective growing up, my grandmother, if you came to the door and she wasn't wearing her wig yet, she'd yell and say, just stay out there until I put my wig on. You know, she'd have her hair up in a, in a 
you know, like a nylon or something and everything. And then she'd go and put on her, put on huh. her wig and then come to the door and we'd be standing outside for like 10 minutes going, what's going on? It's like, oh, your grandmother's just getting ready to see you. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. Your grandma's getting into her mech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Brian, let, let, let me ask you a question. Grand this is Gardens. this is one of those one of the one of those games we were talking about earlier about uh, we pick a theme and Brian picks a uh, a game system mm-hmm. uh, uh, dental school or dental repair. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to keep everything on topic, right? So I know this is just general discussion and, t- I mean, and chatting. I, I would say definitely fiasco has a huge potential there. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh god. Nothing. Is it? See, I. You, you <laughs> I finally broke Brian, that, dude. But is it? Is, is there? I mean, um, is there like medical related RPGs? Like everybody plays a doctor. You go. You're going to medical school, or you're a nurse, or something. And like Grey's Anatomy, the RPG. Yeah, yeah. Grey's Anatomy, the RPG. If there isn't, there should be one. Yeah, well, I mean, Cortex was specifically big on relationships. There's a new version of Cortex coming out soon, right? Yes, uh, Cortex Prime. And, yeah. Yeah, for like yeah, interpersonal things, that's definitely an option. There is like a very Grey's Anatomy style medical drama RPG that's at least in development because it's been mentioned a couple play. times on really another wild. podcast I've been listening to called Stop Hack and Roll. Oh, nice. And, I want to uh, play that. I mean, that yeah, sounds crazy, out. right? I still want to do. Um, I still want to do. I would love to do that wrestling RPG thing um we, we just gotta wait for matthew to actually volunteer yeah i know <laughs> i think yeah, I mean, matthew the, would be probably i don't know if matthew would be good to um gm that he would certainly be great at being a character in the game i can you know it's wrestling i can kevin nash it and be the booker and the world champion i mean it's fine these things happen in wrestling <laughs> Vince McMahon was a 70-year-old man when he booked himself to win the heavyweight championship. I mean, you can do both. You know, sometimes it just it really depends on the mechanics of the game. Um, I, I think that it really used to be that, you know, they would be like, hey, here's a, I don't know, like, a, here's a giant robot role-playing yeah. game. Yeah. And then when you started flipping through it, it's like, what about these mechanics says giant robot? And actually very little of it does. <laughs> so just because something touts itself as a an RPG about, like, for example, um, an anime RPG. It's mm-hmm. like when you look at the mechanics, and you're like, what about this is like anime, which mm. is in and of itself kind of ridiculous, <laughs> considering that anime is like a it's not even a genre. It's a like super genre containing literally every other genre in the world. Right. It's like, what about this is, is saying it's telling me it's an RPG or it's about anime. And a lot sometimes it's very little. And I've seen multiple anime RPGs where I'm like, mm, what's anime about this? Yeah. Have you read that uh, wrestling one, Rodrigo? I haven't now. Oh, okay. Has anybody read that one to know if it's like, what's wrestling about this? Uh, the worldwide wrestling. Yeah. Uh, that one in particular, I've read some of. Uh, I mean, it is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually like you know, two predominant wrestling RPGs, I would say. There's Worldwide Wrestling, which is that Powered by the Apocalypse one, and it has, you know, uh, kayfabe and behind the scenes stuff, like part of the system. 
Mm-hmm. Ooh. Where, you know, like you're booked to win or lose matches. And I mean, you can mess that up. And then that becomes part of the behind the scenes drama and all that. Nice. Uh, but uh, And that's your dice then, rolls? Yeah. Oh, you okay. can <laughs> basically, when it gets to the end of the match, you can roll to sell the lose, lost, or whatever, or, you know, overturn it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, send have a manager be mad at you or whatever. Yeah. So the wrestling See, one still sounds interesting to me. What were you going to say, Matthew? That's the problem with a wrestling RPG is as much as I would, uh, you know, possibly theoretically, if I weren't, you know, entirely retired, uh, enjoy GMing that game. The idea of playing that game with and or against Rodrigo Lopez is almost too much to bear. I mean, that's one of those things where I want to be in a game where Rodrigo is allowed to cut promos. And so I want to be able to, you know, face him in the ring, the King Cobra to, uh, what was his name? Silverside, Silverside. I remember Silverside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then see who gets their butt kicked. Is Silverside a luchador? Uh, no, Silverside is a, a wrestling, I, a wrestler I made up oh, and okay. his gimmick is that he wears silver on one side of his body. <laughs> So like good, he I mean, wears a like a silver bracer and like his shorts are have like a silver line on one side. And that's kind of it. Yeah. I mean, there, there are dumber wrestling gimmicks out there. There's a guy called Balls Mahoney. That's literally his whole gimmick. I, I don't want to know. That's uh, literally his whole thing. He comes out, he'll hit you with a chair oh, okay. and his name is Mahoney. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, I think the wrestling one would be fun. I still think the uh, giant um, Power Rangers one. Uh, would be interesting. I think that's also powered by the apocalypse, isn't it, Brian? Uh, the, uh, oh, man, what is that called? Like, sen- is it just called Sentai? I don't remember. Uh, All I know is you said that there was one that everybody gets to play, uh, Power Rangers. Yeah, I mean, there's Pugmire? one that, uh, yeah, Pugmire also is something geez. that is yeah. very interesting. What, what, what about Pugmire do you like, uh, Sam? What, what makes you want to play that game? I, I just want to play a dog. You just want to I play, just a want dog. play a cute dog that wants to be a good boy. <laughs> what What is your uh, describe your dog character for us? I mean, I came up with a whole dog sona based on my uh, dog uh, ladybug, who is a semi tragic figure because um, Pugmire is like your dog breeds or like your noble houses, but she she is a mutt. Um, but she believes that once upon a time there was a world in which. Uh, it was okay to be a mutt because humanity would love her for who she was. And that is why she is a shepherd, i.e. the priest class of the Church of Man who wants to advocate for the world in which all dogs can be good boys and girls. All dogs can go to heaven. Yes, basically. Nice. I think it's called Henshin, Brian. Henshin. Henshin, yes. Henshin. And yeah. uh, it's kind of a powered by the apocalypse. It actually like is a diceless thing. Mm-hmm. Where you have to gain and spend tokens for various effects. Oh, okay. Uh, but it, yeah, so it's, it, basic, it's, it's based on the storytelling aspects of it, right? It's like yeah, narrative driven. And then what's the seventies? Um, is that Monster of the Week? Well, there is Monster of the Week, which is a powered by the Apocalypse system, very much for like supernatural Buffy style shows. Yeah, what's the one that we were really it's talking weird. about a couple of years ago, where it was like basically the seventies, and it was like. Um, you're taking that on one. mutant gorillas versus, uh, you know, women in prison kind of thing. Uh, powered by, or did, that one is uh, Spirit of 77. Yes, that's it. That's it. And and yeah, that's that. powered by the apocalypse, right? Yeah, it is powered by the apocalypse. Uh, yeah, I was really considering it, but 
there was some terminology in there. I just didn't yeah, really sure. care for. Like I'm every sure. character mm-hmm. has a thing, and one of those things that you can get is owning a business. Mm-hmm. That way, yeah, yeah, I can see how that's a problem. Rob, what about you? Is there a game that you've like been really wanting to try out or or check out? Uh, I've been wanting to get back into Pathfinder Two. Uh, I had a campaign going, and then you know the apocalypse happened, and then we started to try and get back together, and then further apocalypse stuff happened. What, what about what about Pathfinder Two is most interesting to you? Is it because you got hooked because of Sam's great game that we had with the first Pathfinder system? Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sam. That was a fun system. I really enjoyed that game. Thank you. Now, I I was sold based on the character creation of Pathfinder 2, mm, okay. actually. Uh, they have a very streamlined and great way of setting up what your actual stats are. Uh, and the rest of the game is just built on action economy mm-hmm. that uh, makes a lot of sense. Like, every single thing you have has requires x number of actions and you get three actions a turn yeah it's very like almost if you played any descent it it kind of is reminiscent of that um and that like you can Mm -hmm. if you want you can attack three times in your turn that you're going to take iterative penalties for attacking so it becomes less good so you ideally want to like move and attack and like do something else um like take some kind of action to like interact with an object or so is there Anytime you duplicate an action on your turn, does that result in a penalty? So if you've got a move just of six attacking. and then you do a move again and you get a minus two, oh, sorry, just yeah. attacking. Okay. Just attacking. So and you, you can like make a build, you know, like with move, move, uh, move, like have a nimble weapon problem. or I forget what it was, the keyword's called, or, you know, have particular feats that reduce that penalty to actually make that mm-hmm. more feasible. Yeah. So you could just run up to somebody, punch them in the face, and then run away. Yeah. Oh, well, you'd still provoke attack of a sub or Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rodrigo, you're all about Lancers right now. Lancer, yeah. Yeah. Oh, not Lancers, uh, sorry. That's the yeah. That's the high school team. Well, yeah, Lancers <laughs> is what you play. You play a Lancer. Oh, right, okay. Um, now, yeah, is, that, Lancer, is that super team-based, or is it... I mean, does it really promote, okay, guys, we're going to go in, and you're going to swing around on this side and come in from, from the west, and you're going to swing around on the east side, and you're going to come in, or is it just like... How we no, kind of play our battles in in your game? Uh, it it I, I guess it depends on what you as a player or game master are going for. There's certainly a, there's a huge tactical aspect to to Lancer, mm-hmm. um, and every basically Lancer is mission based. So before a mission, you have a sit rep kind of situation where you figure out pretty much exactly what you're going to be doing. And then you go and you do it. And most of the uh, missions aren't necessarily shoot until the other side stops moving. It's like hold a place or um, basically storm a place or um, accomplish a mission before a certain number of rounds oh, go by okay. and uh-huh. enemy reinforcements show up. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, uh, go it, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the most most missions aren't uh, y- y- you very rarely like stumble upon a pack of mecha wolves out in the wilderness, right? <laughs> yeah, You're just yeah, yeah. going into to accomplish a mission. There can be unforeseen circumstances during the mission, but usually you're in a base starting out the mission. 
Um, do you get what, do you get ideas from playing into the breach for like, oh, here's a way that I could run a something similar using Lancer? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Lancer Lancer has a very specific setting, so there's definitely a Venn diagram of like other mech uh, media that fits well into Lancer and some stuff that does not fit well into Lancer. Mm. Um, most of the things that mechs can do in Into the Breach can be replicated in Lancer. So if you really want, you know to be that hook mech that just like grabs enemies and drops them into a vat of acid. Yeah. Uh, you can, you can do that in Lancer. Okay. Rob, what was your, did you guys actually start a, a campaign on your Pathfinder two, or was you just doing the initial setup phase? No, uh, we started, we're level two, we're a chunk of the ways into it, but what's uh, your, what's your story? I am straight up ripping random stuff from legend of Zelda right now. Oh, nice. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, one way to do it. Uh, I I had characters pitched and uh, found a decent way to meld the group and was like, all right, well, let's go find random objects and temples that are used to take out bad guys. <laughs> nice. Did their weapons break like after a few hits? <laughs> nah, I didn't go full Breath of the Wild. <laughs> do you have an ocarina that you have to take with you? No, one, not yet. One of the characters is a bard. Nice. Do you have a little uh, pixie that flies around with you? Uh, hey! Not hey, yet. Hey! Over here! Hey, over here! Hey! Over here! Hey! Uh, but they do have a uh, goblin slash elf companion. Mm-hmm. How big is... How is the... So are you GMing? You're GMing this game. Yeah. And how many players uh, do you have? Five. Uh... Two of them were Brenton. This is their very first RPG they've ever played. Nice. Uh, the other three are veterans in at least some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Though none of them had ever played Pathfinder before. Are they liking it? Or for what little you got to play? I believe so. Okay. Nobody was like, well, this isn't like World of Warcraft at all. <laughs> No, no one compared it to World of Warcraft. I do not have a Steven in my group. <laughs> you can't. Oh, man. Uh, Matthew, you were talking about getting back into your, your uh, Boaz game. Uh, mm-hmm. But is there another system that you were kind of looking forward to play? Um, I'm not really a system guy. I mean, for me, honestly, I am not conversant enough in any of the systems that I could get by without a Rob or a Rodrigo to really, really prop me up if mm. I have to be, you know, not game focus yeah, yeah game focus yeah. yeah for me it's all about the role play and you mm-hmm. know half the time it's about hey you know how this character is going to talk and at that point i'm like yeah i can totally do that and also it's pathfinder i'm like okay i'll figure that out as we go but it's very important that i know how the character is going to talk so yeah i'm i'm you know the the drama kid nerd person but then I've always been that way too. I mean, when we no, played AD and D, I don't think so. I've yeah, heard about even you. when we played AD, I've heard about you in high school. <laughs> don't even, <laughs> don't even. Okay, we met All those ages when we were ago? eighteen years old. You, you've told some stories. That you did about, not know me in high school. You've said Mr. you shared Mays. stories about when you were in high school. Nope, nope. Those yep. were lies. Oh, okay. All right. Those were all uh, lies. Let's see. I think they we did everybody, right? Throw you off the set. I think we did everybody on on what games they were interested in, right? <laughs> Is there another system? Well, go ahead, Brian. 
I could say, yeah. I mean, yesterday the Kickstarter for Evil Hats new game started. Uh, Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Thirsty mm-hmm. Sword so, Lesbians. So by the time that people <laughs> hear this, the campaign's already over. Yeah, probably. But uh, I mean, it might be something of interest to them, so they might look into it. It's uh, yet another powered by the apocalypse thing, and as you might guess, it's very focused on like kind of relationships. Oh, okay. And yeah, oh, it's, it's already it was already funded in three the, hours. Wow. Are they vampires? No, I'm well, sure I mean, they can be. They, they can be. Yeah, I mean, it actually I'm provides apparently quite a few different uh, settings or whatnot. Mm. You can play it in. Apparently, somebody, uh, somebody I like is called gal somebody, paladins. Somebody slide into Matthew's DM and, DMs and explain thirsty to him. Now, if they're sliding into his DMs, I'm sure he'll get an explanation. <laughs> I I understand contextually. I was literally trying to figure out if that's what it meant. Oh, okay. Apparently. All right. So, no, no. I'm sorry. I, mean, I that, didn't realize that people older than me could mock me for my age. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> I kind of, uh, because somebody mentioned it to me, started looking at uh, masks. Was it like masks? A new generation. New generation. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I, it's powered by the apocalypse. I think you guys would really like it because the the archetypes are actually very DC. I, I feel more than Marvel. It, it like gives a strong Legion vibe. It gives oh, yeah. a strong, a very strong, very strong Teen Titans vibe. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So much. Let's play it. A bit of uh, Young Justice uh, mm-hmm. influence yeah, in there too. Let's, let's play it. Yeah, uh, definitely. I've been listening um, to uh, Protean City. Uh, ran mm-hmm. by well, they've kind of been rotating GMs on the more recent episodes I've heard. But oh, uh, like Brandon show. Leon Cabet is the one that initially put the game together and ran it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, we should play that because I want to be I want to be passion, captain. Something. Uh, passions de pasiones. Yeah, pasión de las pasiones. Yeah, there you go. You know, we were playing. Um, we had just finished up uh, the Sentinels of the Multiverse game, and of course, that was a game that we recorded over like three or four months. Uh, and we were playing the the starter kit, which had all the pre-gen characters. And, you know, we were talking about how sometimes it's difficult to play that pre-gen character when there's already a kind of a huge mythology or, you know, stuff mm-hmm. built up behind it. But the more I was editing that game, um, I said I wasn't going to buy into that Kickstarter when it when it launched, Brian. But I kind of want to buy the the book just so I can see what character creation is like and setting up an original game with that but maybe maybe this masks game is is one to check out yeah definitely it just just kind of depends on what you want to go for uh yeah if you want more just basically focused on superhero fights i'd probably go with the uh, sentinel comics Mm -hmm. if you're wanting like you know the whole teenage angst and uh you know inner uh relationship stuff mixed in with you know superhero superhero hijinks and like a whole like meta system about uh, your character kind of figuring out what kind of person they want to be as they grow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then like as an example, what if I want to just talk like, about pancakes and Robin's tiny hands? Uh, that masks would probably be better <laughs> for that. Yeah. Mr. Meatball um, disaster. Yeah. Also, yeah. It's, it's waffles. Well, yeah, that's waffles. Masks, waffles, waffles. Yes. Masks. Waffles. Literally the playbooks do not like they have, powers listed like whatever your powers are you can have whatever powers you want that's not what's important yeah like your your moves are about like you basically balancing your angst against your ability to do stuff 
I want to have complete control oh, so of all the Vint. So the first iteration of Teen Titans uh, yeah. uh, animated series. Uh, especially uh, when uh, especially when bit, uh, yeah. I mean, What's they his actually name? had powers in that. They just also well, were very concerned yeah, but, about uh, like when Robin's was... alter ego, uh, Red X or whatever his name was, yeah, showed Red up. X. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 Wolfman Perez Titans from nineteen eighty. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna much yeah. This is available on uh, Drive Through RPG for fourteen bucks. Yeah, uh, I, I'll, I'll grab it. Although I there actually, are several you know, other uh, supplements that, sort of that also have other playbooks as well, which may yeah. be worth looking at what, further. What, what's that, Brian? I, I didn't hear you. Sorry, they, there are also several supplements for this as well, and they also all have other playbooks for even other character options. Oh, okay. I do have them all, I've, and yeah, it's what I've been looking into for a long time, but never pulled the trigger on. Kind of I thought think about doing here, but everybody since I had has to be ridiculously modern powerful. city. I didn't want to be, you know, just the guy doing superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. You guys like Modern City, right? I mean, not Sam. Sam didn't play Modern City. No. No, she hated it. (laughs) Why did I hate it? I never played it. (laughs) She hated it because she she wasn't against it. That's fair. I I hated it because I wasn't there. I still think, and and this is something just that we can think about, but, you know, our listeners get a little behind the scenes stuff. Uh, For those of you who are gold level patrons, you already got to listen to a six issue miniseries, uh, The Dead and the Old, uh, featuring the continuing adventures of... um, Rumblebee uh, Rumble, and Jetstar. Yeah, yeah Rumblebee and Jetstar. And I was always thinking that we need to do that again and get like Rodrigo and Sam to play two characters. Now, whether that's Professor Disaster King or somebody else, and then Sam gets to pick another, you know, character in that universe and they have an adventure, or if it's Robin and Sam or Robin Rodrigo, but I think we need to do that at some point. Yes. Yeah, I'm in. Rob wants I'm to play all, free agent again. Excited to play a superhero. You want to play free agent again? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out some time where we can do that. I have a really good character concept that I don't think anybody can use. And I don't think it's really, you know, tenable, but I really want to do a superhero called the Shaboskoy. And I want to have this character actually that be the basis of his powers, which I think would be wonderful, but I don't think you can do it. I think it would be offensive and or problematic. Probably, especially if he can only work one night of the week. Or one day of the week. It's the opposite. Oh, okay. The Shabbos guy is the person who does the work. He doesn't roll on Shabbos. On the, on the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that'd probably be in poor taste, Matthew. Just, well, just I'm not me. saying it's in poor taste. I'm just saying, you know, I have superhero concepts, and many of them are in poor taste. Cloaca Kid is also a problem. You can't, you can't do that. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Anyway, anything else you guys want to talk about? I think we've... Bar, uh, bored our listeners enough with our inane chit chat, or maybe not. Maybe they want to hear us more of these. All right, they lie. Sam, just, right off just, the top of your head, what's your superhero name? Go. Yep. Oh God. And what's your? Uh, superhero? It's not. Oh God. Um, that's too hard. <laughs> I, I have to come up with the concept first, and then the name. The okay. Name is well, the what's, what, are, what are what are the powers? Um. Well, so I for I mean. Huh. Now I'm like thinking of, so I, I'd had a character concept for like a while that I've always wanted to play in a game, which is basically like a bug controlling girl, but then I read worm and then it's like, well, that's their whole thing. And now Mm. everyone would be like, but you're like just Taylor from worm. And it's like, no, I just really like bugs. Yeah. Rumblebee controls bees. Uh, oh, Rumblebee already controls bees. You see, yeah, this is what I got for not ever listening bees? to your other shows. Well, he doesn't so, really control bees. I thought he had he's, robot bees. He's, yeah, he's bug-themed. He's bug oh, okay. Yeah. 
But he has a lot of um, he a lot of had a lot of proteges, right? Uh, but but no, I mean I I have a million concepts. Like I'm always big, pretty partial to to shapeshifters um, of any variety. Um, you know I would be totally down for like a extremely beleaguered like green lantern sort that's like extremely powerful but has a million obligations and has to answer to like a horrible bureaucracy. Brian, could you do a could you do a game where uh, it's Professor Disaster King before he turned to the good side and also his uh, fellow hench person? I mean, I would also anytime play you, you love villains. villain, henchman, you, whatever. Sam, I, I, I didn't realize this. concepts for bad guys. I didn't realize how how much research Sam has done on villains and bad guys. <laughs> but if you guys want to go and read her articles that she's written about supervillains, uh, really good stuff. Thank and, you. And I think Sam uh, probably knows a lot about what makes the villain tick. So maybe there's a, a yep. villain adventure for you know those two to needs, go on. Though. Hmm. I mean, when she eventually takes over a country, it's going to be up to Rodrigo to gather a group of people to stop her because, you know, they're old friends from school, like Dr. Doom and Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was it Tasha? I don't know. Someone was supposed to run a game a while back where I was going to get to play like a supervillain and like everyone was going to be supervillains. And we all like had like tentative alliances slash rivalries. And I just thought that was super sweet. And I had a whole concept for it. But, you know, like so many games, it never actually manifested. So if anyone wants to, I've got a concept for that. There you go. All right. Well, if you guys enjoyed this uh, this chitter chatter and you want to hear more of it, just let me know. Podcastmajorspoilers.com. If you uh, are interested in the GM roundtable, I've dropped a couple, excuse me, a couple of episodes into the critical hit timeline. Uh, the GM Roundtable is our Patreon-only uh, show where we sit around and we talk about a topic in depth, like maybe it is villains or maybe it is other games besides D&D or maybe it's, you know, how do you craft a, um, uh, a really good uh, encounter in one evening. Uh, there's a bunch of different things that we talk about that you might be interested in going to check out. And every month you get to pick, help us pick the topic. And then we have our uh, essentially panel to discuss that in depth. So uh, you can go check that out over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. And of course, uh, every little bit that uh, you're able to contribute, we certainly, certainly, certainly appreciate it. Uh, but it also goes right back into making shows like Critical Hit, the Major Spoilers podcast, majorspoilers.com, everything that we do at Major Spoilers Entertainment uh, work and continue to work far into the future. So until next time, uh, Sam, where can people find you? I'm on uh, Twitter, Samantha Nelson one. Matthew, where can people find you? They can't. No one is allowed in my home. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Mighty King Cobra at Mighty King Cobra. Rodrigo, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Fearsome Critter on Twitter. Brian at D N D Brian. Yep. And Rob, we'll, we'll wrap up the show with you at Boar Mortal. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody, for checking us out. We'll see you again next time. And until then, let's hope that all your dice rolls are whatever the maximum value that you can get in your game system. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.